Hi, my name is Sarah Rachel Brown. I'm a 30-something-year-old woman, and I live in Philadelphia. I'm a contemporary jeweler. And like many others, I am an artist trying to make a living. On this podcast, I'm going to broach the subject of value. I'll be talking to studio artists and performers, educators and administrators, and anyone else attempting to combine their creative endeavors with how they get a paycheck. Welcome to another episode of Perceived Value. I'm Sarah Rachel Brown. I am your host and your producer. You all have not heard from me since early October because the theme of my life since then has been overcommitment. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here because I assume the majority of you listening are artists. And if there's a demographic that I know is well-versed in the art of overcommitment, it's artists. So anyways, I've missed my microphones. And since we've last spent quality time together, so much has happened. Man, New York City Jewelry Week happened and I don't even know where to start with all that. It was amazing. A lot of things happened. I'm just still trying to comprehend that November is over and December is well on its way. I do want to say thank you to everyone who visited the Lonely Hearts Club pop-up exhibition. It was curated by myself, JB Jones, and A Thousand Facets. Especially thank you to listeners who made a point to introduce yourselves. Every time I meet a listener, it really makes my day, so thanks for doing that. Huge thank you to the artists who participated and completely blew my mind with the works that they created for this themed show. Lonely Hearts Club was my first curatorial endeavor, and you know, like with all first experiences, I learned a lot, I made mistakes, I was overwhelmed, but I also helped create one kick-ass experience. So yeah, this will not be my last curatorial endeavor or the last of Lonely Hearts Club. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, go ahead and visit our website at lonelyheartsclub.club or find us on Instagram at lonelyheartsclub.club. Today's interview I recorded, geez, back in May, I think, when I was visiting Richmond, Virginia. And I interviewed Lucy Louise Derrickson during this trip and Susie Gonch, both of which interviews have already been published. And if you haven't listened to those yet, I highly recommend you do so. Susie and I focused our conversation around Radical Jewelry Makeover, which she helped develop and is currently co-director with my guest today. I'm releasing this interview now because, well, I've been too busy to do it sooner, but you know, more so because Quirk Gallery, which is located in Richmond, Virginia, has their annual holiday show, Sparkle Plenty, on view. This is the 14th year of Sparkle Plenty, and this annual holiday show opened on December 5th, and it's running until January 5th. So you have a whole month to get yourself to this wonderful gallery to see what is, you know, undoubtedly a stunning show. Each year, Quirk invites a different person or persons to curate. And of course, my guest today, along with Susie Gonch, was invited to curate this year's Sparkle Plenty. They chose to feature work from Radical Jewelry Makeover's Artist Project. No idea what that is? Don't worry. 
Kathleen Kennedy talks all about it in today's interview. Kathleen Kennedy is an artist and educator living in Richmond, Virginia. And amongst other things, she is a member of the Advisory Council for the Ethical Metalsmiths and currently serves as co-director of Radical Jewelry Makeover. In the beginning of our conversation, we allude to the fact that we recorded, oh man, a solid 15 minutes before my computer threw a fit and we lost the recording. So this is actually the second take, but don't worry. We pretty much cover everything that was mentioned in those 15 minutes that are lost and gone forever. Except this time around, we definitely went on a longer tangent about our love of show choir. Ugh, I love show choir. And if you know what show choir is, you know what I'm talking about. Anyways, please welcome today's guest, Kathleen Kennedy. I mean, it's, it happens. It's not my freaking fault. No, it's compute Again, this is why we have to limit computers. Well, my computer's pretty old yeah. now. Um, so it's done me real well. Love you, boo. Yeah. Computer. That's the computer I'm talking to. Hey, boo. Um, Please so, work. Yeah, let's just like keep it together. Yeah. We got Kathleen Kennedy here. Yeah. And then we have one more interview after this. And yes. then, then you can just chill. Yeah, you can take a long nap. Mm-hmm. Cool yeah. off. Exactly. Yeah. Um, hey, everyone. <laughs> I am in Richmond, Virginia with Miss Kathleen Kennedy. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. Um, so I came down here to talk to, I just interviewed Susie Gonch. Yes, you did. Um, and we focused on radical jewelry makeover. Um, so much fun. Gosh, it was so cool to get to talk to her. Susie's amazing. I I have literally never met anybody when I mentioned her that doesn't go, she's amazing. Yeah. It's like, okay, I got it. It's because it's, can I curse on here? Yeah, you can. It's because podcasting. Because it's fucking true. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the way that you have to say it. Yeah. And she's so busy. Yeah. Um, But that's also a little selfish of me. I was like, ooh, a podcast interview. That means I get her for myself for like over an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I don't yeah. know if it'll ever happen again. Yeah. Um, I mean... I am in the same city with her. I work with her all the time. And, like, I don't necessarily get a whole hour with her all the time. <laughs> yes. Like, it's like we take what we take the blessings that we can get when we're blessed with the presence of Susie Gonch. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> um, okay. So, Richmond, Virginia, I'm loving it here. You mm-hmm. know, I love, well, I, it's just something about going to a city I've never been to it really invigorates me kind of yeah. pumps me up yeah, yeah um it's fun to be here because the artistic community at least on this strip of yeah whatever is thriving yeah um because vcu is here virginia commonwealth university vcu um and then what's the the craft and materials craft materials studies department there we go yeah. Susie mm-hmm. also taught me how to say that right mm-hmm. and i already forgot it craft slash Material studies. I love that. Mm-hmm. And so, Kathleen, you're from Richmond. I am from Richmond. You I, guys, we already talked about this, but we're talking about it again. <laughs> but we're going to pretend like everything we're probably about ready to talk about hasn't happened. Yes. Like, we're, we're just going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you're from here. I am from here. Born and raised. Grew up. Then went to undergrad here at VCU. So, spent the first 23 years of my life right In here. 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 That's yeah. insane because... I just remember graduating high school and wanted to get the heck away from my home as fast as possible. Oh, yeah. It took me, like, a few more years longer. I, like, it didn't, I was cool to be here in 
undergrad. And then when I was in college in Richmond, it's not like I was exactly where I grew up. Like I actually yeah. grew up a little bit outside of the city. And so it was kind of like this still enough world. separation, yeah. new experiences, et cetera. Exactly. But then when I did finish, I was like, I need to get as far away from this place as humanly possible. But yeah. still staying in the continental United States, wasn't ready to maybe go your, you know, <laughs> go international. Jump international yet. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I ended up in Seattle. Um, which yeah. I had no idea. And you guys. Yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> so funny. I'm like, oh, my God. I used to live in Seattle. The, the surprise of we didn't discover this 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. But that is so cool. Yeah. Um, and did we overlap there? What year did you move to Seattle? I think we may have. So I moved to Seattle at the very end of 2008, beginning of 2009. Holy crap. I moved and there New Year's Eve, 2007, 2008. So What? Mm-hmm, yeah. So we were totally there. At the same exact time. Same exact time. I was there through um, midway through 2011. Okay. Yeah. And then I left to go to grad school. Um, but yeah. yeah, Seattle, I went out there. I had a friend from undergrad here, Rachel Rader, who Rachel. had already moved out there. And she um, she called me up and was like, I need a roommate. Yeah. And so I, I jumped on that. That's so funny. Right? Yeah. I did the same thing when I moved to Seattle. I just went. Yeah. Like, I didn't have, I had, um, like, there was a little bit of an idea that there might be an opening at the glass shop where Rachel worked at Glassy Baby, and there might be a potential that I can get a job there. And so just, you know, fearless 23-year-old packs up my 1989 <laughs> Volvo, just, like, packed down to the ground when I left Richmond. My bumper was always almost dragging along the road. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I just brought a bunch of books because apparently I thought that was smart to do. And like necessary to keep. Books and clothes. And that's really what I took out with me. Books, clothes, and then my tools. That's funny because yeah. when I moved with my friends, we made a rule. Books, clothes, and records. Mm. It's like what I you wasn't need. a jeweler yet, so yeah. that would have been on the docket. Yeah. Otherwise. That's the that's the last thing. You yeah. know? <laughs> that's all you need. Um so wait, let's rewind. Cause yeah. um, so you go to undergrad here. Yeah. Did you go with the intention of wanting to be an artist, or did you fall into it? So, um, I guess if we we back up even before undergrad in high school, I was really into the music scene. Which you guys, we already talked about this. I, we're a broken record right now, but whatever. <laughs> we are musical theater geeks. We like, really are. Show hardcore. choir. So I don't know if you're listening, but before like. People know about show choir now because Glee. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not what show choir is. Yeah. So don't even, I don't even watch that show. Glee is like acapella groups, which is different than show choir. Show choir is like Broadway minus the like story aspect, but just the musical numbers and dancing. And it's a montage. Yes. But the best montage you've ever seen. Right. It's a 30 minutes of amazing high school dancing and glitter and just like... Costume changes. Yes. Um, glitz, tapping, 
so much good singing stuff. your heart out I while learned, you're dancing so fast i learned how to put on fake eyelashes mm. i learned how to put on so much makeup that i could like literally peel it off my face um show choir hair there was definitely yes. the bigger the better the bigger the better big curls that is the thing tease yeah. it to jesus tease it to jesus yes exactly <laughs> i i had such good hair that i had to go around check other girls and make Ooh, sure that their hair was up to par that's amazing and then i think some of the girls hated me because I started wearing fake nails mm. and then my choral instructor was like maybe we should make it mandatory that every girl has to have fake nails what fake eyelashes were mandatory so when you was signed up you got a instructor kit a male or a female male and he queer but the fake nails mm-hmm. he loved it oh my god he thought they looked so good I was like can people even see our nails but yeah it was a thing that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I've been like, I'll paint my. We had to paint our nails. We had to well, we had to have them painted red, a certain right? color. Yeah, but I was if fake nails came into it, I would have been like, mm mm. Did you have to? What was your eyeshadow colors? Eyeshadow. Okay, so all of us had a light purple, like on the is it the arch line below the brow? Yeah, and then on the lids, we split it this kind of like midnight blue and like. Um, pastel forest green and then we went to michael's and would get the glitter wreath spray yeah and spray it all over our faces see that's funny because we did blue to this day i can Mm. like not really wear Mm -hmm, blue eyeshadow mm -hmm. fake eyelashes Mm -hmm. cheeks bright red lips Mm -hmm. and then we would do the fine red glitter on top of the lips yes we had a bright red lip yeah yeah that was kind of like yeah. If you didn't have a bright red lip, what were you doing? Exactly. And the first year we had that like big curly hair mm-hmm. and then we had an actual dance instructor come in and do our choreography for us. Oh, we flew somebody in. But she had us go from like hair halfway down and curly to French twist. <gasps> yeah. Oh, you were one. Of, but we were like, does it look like a peeled onion? Mm. See, we like, I think it, when you have all that bouncing, those bouncing curls up and yeah. down and up and down, you like, it takes away from the dance moves. We could literally have a full interview based around this. We really could. Okay, guys. Sorry. We're sidetracked. Yeah. We got to, we got to keep going. Okay. So how did, <laughs> so that like that musical theater show choir, like I fell in love with music and thought I was going to go to college and be a music instructor. So I went to this tiny school to study music education and I realized my, like the end of my senior year of high school, I started taking this photography class and got really into it. Didn't necessarily think it was going to be like anything I did, maybe just a hobby. But when I got to college and was studying music, I realized how much I missed it. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to transfer to VCU the next year. And I started in the art foundation program where I also discovered so many discoveries in such a short time that um, I wasn't just into like taking photos, but I actually really liked making things with my hands and building things and creating things. It's something that I hadn't ever done before. I wasn't like, I didn't take art classes. I didn't think I was good at drawing. And so therefore I wasn't good at art. Like it wasn't. Or if you're like me, like I never had to take art classes because my electives in high school were all filled up for my choir yeah, classes. exactly. So I actually didn't have room to take choir exactly. art classes. Yeah. And so I just didn't think that it was something that I 
could do. But then being in that foundations program was so transformative to me because I got to do so many, try so many different things. Yeah. And I realized like, oh, even if I don't like this necessarily, like I really like this and I want to, I do want to make things and I want to think about things. I want to think about objects. And so I, I applied to the craft material studies program Mm -hmm. and got in and signed up for glass and metals classes and stuck with it. I don't know if it's just me that I sign up for something and I'm like, okay, I'm locked in. This is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Or if it's just like, oh, this this it actually worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Did you give yourself permission to question if you were actually enjoying it or were you like, you said you would do this and now you have to do it? I think so. Like I, I, I don't feel like I would have. I don't feel like I would be here right now. If you if didn't it, love it. Yeah. Good God, I hope right? not. Right? Like, I <laughs> definitely wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't something that I loved. But in the in the moment, like, I didn't sign up for glass and metal classes because I knew it was going to be something that I was going to stick with. It just sounded cool. How like, old are you? I am... I'm going to be 34 in two months, so 33. We are exactly the same age. What? When's your birthday? July 13th. Mine's June 26th, and I'm turning 34. We're almost like we're like that's, weeks apart. That's wild. That's crazy town. We're gonna be friends. We are already friends, my <laughs> friends. Awesome. <laughs> you had me at show choir. <laughs> that is incredible, you guys. They're just like, yeah, yeah, okay. Get mm-hmm. back to the conversation. Sorry, this is probably interesting to no one. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, question for you. Yeah. Did you have to pay for, did you go to VCU because you could go for free? Like, So I did, when I was looking for colleges, I did stick with like in-state um, schools. I, there were a couple of private private colleges that I looked at, but they weren't really attainable unless they offered me a ton of money um, like to make it equal to a state school funding. But um no, I didn't have scholarship. When I came to VCU, I didn't have scholarships. It was just public school education, which at the time, it was before the stock market crash, crash so education was funded a little bit better than it mm-hmm. is now. Like, I just don't know how my students do what they do, right? Yeah. Like, education right now is so expensive, which, lucky for me, while I was an undergrad, I didn't have that. Yeah, battle, right? And in addition to that, I'm very fortunate in that my parents also helped me with my undergraduate education. And I'm forever thankful because really that helped set me up with not having this burden of so much debt to tie me down that when I did finish school, I... Um, was either naive or courageous enough. (laughs) Like, I can't imagine doing it now, but to just pack up my car and drive across the country and move to Seattle on a whim, not having secured a job, and just I had a a, a place to stay, a roommate, and I just was like, no, I'm going to do this. I need to do this. I'm going to make it happen. How much student loan debt did you graduate with? Um, I think it was... 20s like in the 20s it was under $30,000 okay yeah and then you so you had probably a little bit of time where you didn't have to start paying right away right I also worked in in undergrad too to have a job to help me you know pay for materials but also pay for living expenses like Mm -hmm. so 
And then yeah. Susie was one of your instructors here. Yes, Susie was my main mentor here. Cool. Yeah, because yeah, when I was talking to her, she said you were actually a part of the first Radical Jewelry Makeover. Yes, Which I is was. wild. Mm-hmm. It's actually like part of, it, it, it was this one week crazy, uh, crazy thing that kind of came out of nowhere and just yeah. stuck with me. And I think too, like there were a number of, of people that are still active in the field that were, were a part of that, like I, Sarah Holden, Kat Cole. Oh, they were all part of that first yeah. one? Yeah. Did Katie they? Sellers. Wait a minute, did they all go to school here? We were all in school together. What? A few varying years, but like Sarah and I were uh, in in the same year, and then Kat Cole and Katie Sellers were in the same year. Oh my we gosh, had, I never knew that. We had some badass people in that like yeah undergraduate everybody group. that you just mentioned is still so active and like not only active but very prominent within the contemporary jewelry field yeah like i think about you know i think that being on the teacher side of academia now like things kind of go in waves like sometimes you have students that aren't driving themselves forward but then other times you have this room full of students that are all awesome and like mm-hmm. dr- keep keeping that drive within themselves going yeah and I think that you know it would be one thing if there were just one or two people but just having a classroom full of amazing human beings that mm-hmm. are like clearly driven and clearly like there's they're continuing. going for it exactly oh you're so lucky oh totally lucky I feel like a lot of my education I've been around people like that that, that- you know, only make you better. Exactly. Like it's this, I think, communal thing. Like there, you can be competitive with people, but it's also really important to, you know, know your community and bring them together and mm-hmm. and drive each other forward. So, yeah. what was your perspective of? Because when I spoke with Susie, I wanted a lot of background as like how to just radical jewelry makeover even start and yeah, things like yeah. that. What was your perspective as like one of the first participants? Did yeah. it feel like an experiment or? So as a student, no. Yeah. Like, uh, but I also probably had no idea what was going on behind the scenes because again, oblivious student, obviously the people <laughs> that are teaching you know exactly what they're doing and everything has been planned out and you just show up and it's that there. That is so funny, our perspective right? on things like that. Yeah. And then you get to the other side, it's like, whoa. Everybody's just like faking it. Fake it till you make it. Like it's an edu- it's an educated hypothesis of faking it, right? Yeah. So not really faking it, but you're doing something that you haven't tried out before. Yeah. So it may not work. Yeah. We're gonna see if it works. Totally. Um, but yeah, so I did I did not have that perspective on it at all. I just had this amazing like, oh my god, this is a one week radical jewelry makeover. The studio was popping. Like mm-hmm. we I think it I mean it's probably bad that we would cut classes, but all of the students just stopped going to other classes, other areas in the department, other areas of the school, and we were just in that studio twenty four seven making work and just high energy and it was amazing like people I'm really excited about the project yes like it's really what drove you forward you know I as a student wasn't really privy to that initial the planning that goes into making it or even the I, I wasn't really paying attention to the donation drive so much like yeah it was said to us like hey 
spread this around or bring in donate your old broken unwanted jewelry yeah but i mean i was a student like yeah where, what am i paying attention to what <laughs> <laughs> what really like drove it together is we had on a saturday mm-hmm. so not a school day a saturday we were all asked to come in and so not everybody came but a bunch of beginners and intermediate and advanced students show up to the um, VCU Metal Studio on a Saturday for this kickoff lecture from Susie Gonch and Christina Miller, mm-hmm. where they're basically telling us exactly what we're going to be doing for the next week. This okay. one week of school, we're, we're used to having classes, this is going to be different. And the kickoff lectures where they told us about what RJM is, what they envision it to be. So this is the first thing. It's kind of getting defined of what it is at this moment. And then why it's important, right? Like, Mm -hmm. why is it important that we need to think about where our metal comes from or even the, like, what environmentally, what impact am I having as a 21-year-old intermediate metal student in the world, right? Yeah, well, which act- you don't really think about. Exactly. But you want to know something? You're actually using copper and brass and metals that have been all been dug out of the ground. They're hard to get to. It takes work. It takes... A uh, lot of chemicals to make them into that pretty little sheet you Exactly. Have. Like, yeah. there is a lot of energy and waste that came into getting that material out of the ground, and it's now on your shoulders to be responsible for how you use it. Yeah. It's not to to say you shouldn't use it it's just don't be wasteful you know Mm -hmm. like even just thinking about it in the smallest way of not cutting out that circle from the middle of your sheet but moving it to the edge oh that's such a good lesson right like (laughs) just so wasteful in the the beginning total just smallest things like that that seem so simple and like not stupid but like we just don't think about it and it's just those little things that we can change like maybe don't run and go get a fresh sheet like can we use a piece of scrap right yeah one of the things that actually stood out to me the most from that initial like kickoff lecture Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was Susie or if it was Christina that said this but they they said that for every gold ring that's made Mm -hmm. there's 20 tons of waste waste rock that's created which is insane 20 tons which makes me sick to my stomach because i work in a company where we make a lot of rings yeah in a week but you work for a really good company oh yeah we work for one of the um industry leaders in ethical and sustainable jewelry yeah and one of my bosses is on the board of ethical metalsmiths exactly yeah like so i'm it's a big part of why I wanted to work for that company. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and and that's a fact that like Barry O'Neill. Sorry, I didn't say the Barry name of it. O'Neil. Shout out to Barry O'Neill. Um, but yeah, that's a fact that stood like it stuck, sticks with me today. Like it's something that when I go and do our JM presentations, that's something that I want to to get in there because I think it's so like it's so massive that how can it not stick with you? Everybody knows what like a gold wedding band looks like and how simple and minimal it is right and then to have that amount of waste associated with it and that number is actually from so that lecture was from 2007 i think the figure that was referenced was actually from 2004 oh wow and so here we are 15 years later that waste 
that amount of waste has only increased. Yeah. So it's even more than that now. Mm-hmm. I don't know the exact number. But I'm sure it's astronomical and yeah. embarrassingly yeah. high. Yeah. It's crazy. And so to just have that kind of stick with you of, oh, my God, like I am part of this cycle. What can yeah. I do? And then having um, having this project that, you know, it doesn't offer – uh, the solutions to the all the problems of the world, but it helps you just start to realize that there start are... Start a dialogue around yeah. it, too. Yeah. yeah, like we can't expect to solve all these problems, but we can expect to start a conversation, yeah. you know, and see where that takes us. And even just be aware of those little things like we just talked about. Um, so you're this like naive little undergrad yeah. who happens to be at the right place at the right time yeah. when Susie's launching this with Christina yeah. and you Mind get to be a part of it. Blown. And then, so you, then you graduate. Yeah. Then I graduate and I'm like, I need to get out of this town. You're in Seattle. <laughs> you take the yeah. leave. I just hop in my car, drive to Seattle. Um, I did a short stint at a glass shop called Glassy Baby where I was like the <laughs> lowest person on the chain. Like, what are you doing? Um, and also, you guys, I know this company and I know a lot of people have worked there. They call it Assy Baby. Yeah, totally. Because they're like way overpriced. Yep. They don't pay their employees enough. True. They don't get health insurance. Nope. And they put a lot of strain on their body to yeah. make these hand-blown glass yeah. glasses, glass votives, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Um, that glass are like blobs, blobs. You know? Yeah, it's really funny. Like as yeah. glass artists or somebody that appreciates objects, you look at those and you're like, really? Yeah, like what? But then my ex's very well off mother bought mm-hmm. me a set, and I was like, they're so expensive. Thanks. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, assy babies. <laughs> I still have a few. They're like in my studio somewhere. I put like, like old bits of metal in them. They can contain something, they right? Can- <laughs> Give them that. Yeah. Like, so that's the first job you got. Did Rachel help you get that job? Because yeah, I knew she yeah, worked yeah. there. So she, like, when she told me she needed a roommate out there, she was like, there's a potential that you might be able to get a job. And so she really hooked me up with being able to talk to people and get a job there. They had actually, the I remember this, the week before I moved out there, mm-hmm. they had a massive amount of layoffs. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And so Rachel called me and she's like, girl, I don't know if you'll have a job when you come out here, but we All can try. All of a sudden, they're like yeah. dropping like flies. So I was kind of like initially was just on call. I was charging the furnace. I was like kind of like the just like jobs no one wanted to do. Like yeah. even the people that Char- Charging like, the furnace means putting in like the glass particles to be melted down. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. It's the worst. But it it's... It gave me some form of income initially while I was out there. Which is all you need. Yeah. It gave me something to start with. And then what I did is I referenced my handy dandy snag directory, which they what? they made physical books of at that time. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they've made a physical book of a snag directory in a really long time. But they had... Um, you could either look up members by their last name or you could look up members by the area. Oh. And so I flipped to the Washington section. Yeah. To the Seattle area section and just started emailing everyone that I could find in Seattle, like that was listed in Seattle, like a short little cover letter of 
Hi, my name is Kathleen Kennedy. I just got my BFA from Virginia Commonwealth University. I'm new to the area. Um, I need a job. <laughs> I, if I'd love, like, I need a job. If you're looking for a studio assistant or you know anybody that is looking for a studio assistant or any job related to that, like, help, p- help me, please. Yeah. And it's amazing. I figured the worst that people can do is not respond to you. That, yeah. And like, that doesn't even hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just, okay, they're not going to respond. But the the community in Seattle was Amazing. Well, the medals community in Seattle is amazing. Yes. Yeah. You guys got yes. the Seattle's Medals Guild exactly. that puts on that symposium. That's mm-hmm. a big deal. Mm-hmm. My mentor. Yeah. yeah. Sarah Lurcher. Sarah yeah. Lurcher mm-hmm. brought me in, introduced me to Rachel, introduced yeah. me to Tia Kramer, Erica Gordon. Like, yeah. there is a lot of good people yeah, out there. Yeah. And the person who actually really hooked me up and responded to my email was Mickey Lippy. I was going to. I was yes. going to say, it was like, was it Mickey Lippy? Yes, it was Mickey Lippy. I've heard of her taking on a lot of people when they get out there as assistants. And so things. she didn't actually need me as an assistant, but she knew that Nancy Warden at the time oh, okay. was looking for an assistant. And so Nancy hired me um, for like three days a week to to make her work. Mm-hmm. And then I also got a response from Gina Pankowski. <gasps> I know her. Who is just like the most amazing woman yeah and her work's amazing i don't feel like she gets enough like doesn't shout out to her like look up her work and know who she is because she's amazing she and generous and just she's one of the reasons that i i mean the two of them are really why i survived out there yeah like i moved out there and i had how much money did you have because <laughs> I had less than five hundred dollars in my name when I moved out there. Yeah, I had about like six or seven hundred dollars. I had enough. Oh my god! For what were we thinking? We were naive and like we can conquer the world. Like it's kind of freaky how linear our lives have been. It's insane. Yeah, but that's why we're gonna be friends now. We're all friends. Yeah. Yeah. Tight. Keep going. <laughs> Um, but when I moved out there, I had my clothes, I had my tools, and mm-hmm. for some reason I had, like, all these boxes of books because that was apparently important, and, I mean, still is. But I didn't have furniture. I didn't have, like, a anything. Bed. Yeah, a bed. I um, I slept on a blow-up mattress for three years almost. I slept on Rachel Raider's air mattress for a couple of months before I, nice. like, broke down and bought a mattress off of Craigslist because that's smart. And I was like, oh, I know bed bugs might be a thing. Let me get this. You can get plastic cover, like mattress covers. Yes. I'm like, I'm just going to get this plastic mattress cover. And then I duct taped the zipper seam thinking like that's the only weak spot. So I'm going <laughs> to, they can't get out of there if I duct tape it. This is totally fine. So I had this like camp. It was like supportive camp mattress off of Craigslist. And then I had a a box that like paper reams came in that I had packed my tools and books in as my bedside table. And that was, uh, that was the extent of my furniture in Seattle. (laughs) And, um, I slowly gathered more furniture from both Gina and Nancy as they're like, you need a dresser here. You need it. (laughs) Like new. Thank you so much to those ladies for like, making it so I could survive. And then I learned so much being their assistant for both. Yeah. Like Nancy, I got to work on her um, mid-career recu- re- retrospective, excuse me, Oh wow! at the Tacoma Art Museum, at um, the Halley Ford Museum of Art in Oregon. Like 
got to install all of that and got all this amazing museum experience. Mm-hmm. And then Gina, I got to hone my soldering skills like nobody's Good business. God, I can only imagine. Like, I, I mean, I was okay at soldering at, like, I had Susie Gonch as my teacher, so yeah. boot camp soldering leaving here, but... Working with Gina and just doing that, like, same repetitive. Mm-hmm. I worked her produ- production line or, like, making parts for her larger pieces, which are these really um, complex chains of oh, yeah, like, I know wire them. forms, right? Yeah. And so just being able to, like, hone in soldering with that mini torch together and, like, get that seam, not melt anything. Yeah. Learn so much. Damn, while you're in Gina's studio, I'm in Sarah's doing the same thing. Amazing. With the mini torch. And you know Sarah yeah. Lurcher's work. Oh, how many totally. scenes are in that? Yes. Oh, good God. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really got to to learn from those ladies, and I was able, like, I was able to quit Glassy Baby, work for Gina and Nancy, and support myself, which is amazing because it's. I know they don't. They're in positions that it's hard to pay an assistant. Yeah. I'm sure you didn't have. I was not uh, benefits making, or anything. I was not. I didn't have benefits, but I also was getting paid more than minimum wage. Which That's was, great. Yeah. Was it taxed or did they pay you in cash under a table? Uh, one was cash and one was taxed. Okay. So I did, I was able to file, uh, you know, tax returns and stay in the... Really poor racket. Yeah. So you get a lot back. Exactly. I love that racket. Exactly. But also <laughs> like not disappear from the like tax. Yeah. So you spies. didn't get flagged. Exactly. They're like, oh, she's paying tax. It's fine. Yeah, she's, she's broke. It's fine. She's real poor out there. But man, she's going. What area did you and Rachel live in Seattle? So when I first moved out there, we lived in, um, in, oh, what was it called? It was like exit 71 off of the five, um, just south of Northgate. Um, oh, I know what you're talking about. This really, yeah. But the not Sa- Fremont. No, no, no. But I was North Seattle yeah. by the Safeway out Green there. Green Lake. Gr- yeah, north of Green Lake. W- northeast of Green Lake. Okay. Yeah. Like seventy first. Yeah. Why yeah, can't I think of the cheap. name? I don't remember why I can't think of. The I know. Name. I was just out there too. In yeah. That area. And then I moved out. Rachel moved out. She did a bunch of awesome stuff, and then I moved out because we had a bunch of roommates in that house. I also don't know how I lived in a house with that many people. Roommate. Yeah. Did you live with a girl named Nicole? No. Okay, just checking. I don't think so. Okay. There was a moment where I lived with a lot of people. That you probably couldn't even keep track of? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> um, but after that house, I moved into a smaller basement apartment near the university district. Oh, cool. And then my last year, I moved in with my boyfriend in West Seattle. Oh, nice. And became a West Seattle baby. Oh, that's great. Yeah. West Seattle's like the place to be now because people can actually kind of afford it. Right. Oh, is it the is it the affordable place now? Um, No, that's South Park and like nowhere. Oh. But mm-hmm. if you want mm-hmm. a fighting chance. That's where to go. Yeah, kind it of. It also has the beach. Like It has a beach. Yeah. I know. It's weird in Seattle. They flew in some sand and you're like, okay, that works. Yeah, this is this is good for me. But... um. Yeah, I w- so you're working off your student loans a little. Yeah. You're actually getting paid to be studio assistants. Yeah, God, that's so smart of you. The thing that you did with reaching out because it never hurts. Yeah, like you can't. It, again, part of it's naivety, but it's also the worst they can do is say no, and mm-hmm. the most they can do is now you're getting involved with a community. Like yeah. I also met um, 
I met some girls that were starting a critique group, like oh. a metals critique group. Who was that? Oh, I can't. I remember their. I don't remember the names. That's fine. Um, but it was another entryway into another community, right? And then I also got involved with the Metals Guild for a little bit out mm-hmm. there. I was introduced to um, the Pratt Art Center. As that's where I took my first metalsmithing really? class. That was what started this all for me. Oh, yeah. that's awesome! So Pratt is like very dear to my heart. That's yeah. where I met Sarah Lurcher. She was my instructor. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, because yeah. Pratt, like, I went out there and I was like, oh, I can pass the test. I can rent studio time. I can yeah. continue fine to, art center because I didn't have a torch. I didn't have a flex shaft. Like you didn't even have a bed, girl. No, exactly. Yeah. I had no bed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like it was uh. A community center that I was able to like scrappily go and make stuff and then I got I actually moved away from Pratt and Dana Kassara who at the time was the Metals Guild president had mm-hmm. her community like Danica design yeah and I um, for a short time was a studio assistant there or studio monitor she there. mentors a lot of people she she's in there are so many amazing giving women out in Seattle Mm -hmm. in the metals community that just I think make it feasible for somebody like me somebody like you to actually like use it as a stepping stone and learn so much and become a part of something yeah like it it, it's so important and then like now that I'm older to make sure if I have that opportunity to give that pay it forward yeah to give that to somebody who needs it like Mm -hmm. that's the only way that we can really make it forward in this field or in the art field I feel like why did you leave Seattle you were only there for three years so my plan was always to go to grad school oh so you always knew you wanted to go to grad school yeah I knew like I knew you knew you wanted to be a teacher well I looked at grad school as a way I wanted to develop my work and like Mm. my ideas I knew I needed um I needed that kind of structure like it wasn't going to happen necessarily just working because I I was also working more than 40 hours a week like oh of course I couldn't dedicate the time that I wanted to to develop that when you're that when you're working that much just to get by I don't want to go to my studio exactly I don't want to go to my studio right now I'm exhausted yeah yeah it's tough it's tough yeah it's there are people like Susie who I'm just like how do you do what you do and I think it's it's not complaining to say like I work a 40 hour week and I want to it's just fair to say like yeah some people just aren't cut out for it yeah or enjoy it Yeah. yeah or like some people just need like I need to take a break at the, at this moment. Like I yeah. am mentally exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I knew I wanted to go to grad school. I didn't know where I wanted to go, yeah. but I I ended up going to um, Wisconsin Madison. Oh, you fancy girl! Yeah. Oh, so fancy. Um, so you you applied? Did you apply to a bunch of places? I only applied to two places. So oh. yeah, that and where else? I applied to the University of Washington 3D 4M program that no longer exists. Oh, the 3D 4M programs. Oh, I don't know. The metals program had oh, that's shut what I down yeah. the year before, and so it, again in undergrad I had studied glass and metal. And oh, jewelry. there it is. Yeah, and so I knew I wanted to be at a place where I would have the option to work in either. Like I didn't want a metals only program 
or a glass only program. I wanted like this kind of open dialogue. And yeah. I knew that there wasn't a metals program at the University of Washington, but from what I heard on the street, <laughs> all of the tools were still there. Oh, and so you could so get into this program and use that. My thought was like, well, if I'm there, then I can just, like I have this community of amazing mentors, plus there's this amazing group of other mentors at the school that, you know, yeah, theoretically it could happen. It's not what happened. I didn't yeah. go there. I chose to go to Wisconsin that um, that allowed me to work really kind of cross-disciplinary cross-disciplinarily um, in the metals area. I didn't end up using um, the glass area like I thought I would, mm-hmm. but I um, I started learning how to how to work with like ceramics and some other things and just was kind of really broadened my Wow, you horizon. really bounced around. Yeah, I love bouncing around. Like, Did Madison give you a good like financial packet? Yes. How much? Like, so my <laughs> first year was only a partial scholarship, Ooh, okay. but um, the majority of it was student loans, and I probably took on like just that first year alone in the upper thirty thousand dollars worth of debt for mm. that year. Like that was crazy. But my second and third year at Madison, I was fully funded with assistantships. Like nice. I. I got really lucky. I mean, you work, right? You work yeah. X, amount or X amount of hours a week, but it's worth it. It like made it worth it. One hundred. Yeah. And at Madison in Wisconsin, I didn't just get, uh, I didn't just get um, finance like a stipend and tuition remission. I also got health insurance. What? Yeah. Oh, I never even thought to even ask about that. Yes. That's wild. Yes. Midwestern schools, I mean, I guess I don't know that all Midwestern schools do that, but at Madison, that was totally a thing. Good on you, Madison. Yeah. And I was, it was amazing. Yeah. So you take three years to graduate from there. Mm-hmm. Three and years. So then did you, what did you want to do after grad school? Is that how you started applying for schools to teach? So, so when I finished grad school, I didn't know, like... I hadn't really thought like what's next. Like <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, I did this. What's happening?" And so my plan was to move back to Richmond. I've been gone 6 or 7 years, like only mm-hmm. seeing my family and like my friends back here maybe like once or twice a year. Yeah. So I was like, "I'll I'm going to head back to Richmond. Like I'll figure out what I'm going to do once I'm back there." Yeah. Inner Susie Gonch, again, like my most amazing person in the world. Um, <laughs> literally, my last week of school at Madison, my thesis shows up. I, I think it's like the day or two before I go, I'm going to my committee to defend my thesis. Mm-hmm. Susie texts me and is like, so do you want to teach next year at VCU? And I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> I remember um, one of my... Uh, one of my faculty was like, so you you told her you'd think about it, right? And I was like, no, it's Susie. She asked me, like, I said yes. <laughs> They're like, oh, oh, you just said yeah. yes just like that. And I'm like, yeah, it's yes. That's what I do. Yeah. For like Susie asked me to do something, I say yes. That's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and it was at the time, at that moment, it was one class 
again, like totally not, and it was adjuncting. So Oof. yeah, like not very little money, but, <laughs> but valuable experience. Exactly. And I was like, I'm going back to Richmond anyways. Like I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do. Oh, that re- you really lucked out. Yeah. And then what happened, I mean, I benefited from this, but unfortunately, like Susie was very ill at the time. Yeah. And I ended up teaching both of her classes in the fall semester. So I got, I had a full adjunct load, which still is like pennies, plight of the adjunct. But I got not just a beginning class experience, but advanced experience, and then carried that over to the next year or to the next semester Mm -hmm. and started teaching. And each year that I've been here, I've kind of gotten more and more responsibility and so I call I kind of call myself adjunct special now (laughs) okay yeah let's mm -hmm. let's dig into that because you're technically an adjunct yes I have a lot of experience talking to people about adjuncting yeah but I feel like every university or any organization is a little different in terms of what that would mean for that person Yeah, yeah, yeah are you able to make a living off of adjuncting so right now I am at like max capacity of um, what they'll pay, give you, yeah, for adjuncts. And part of, like the reason for that is Susie is the chair, yeah, and so she's the interim chair and also still the area head. But I am the medals area coordinator, and I'm running the undergraduate area and the studio, er, the undergraduate program, uh-huh. the studio. Um, making sure all the orders are done making like making sure that studio functions I'm not mentoring grad students but I am like managing the grad students that are working like their GTAs and the work duties that they have and all all within the adjunct part-time time time frame oh god damn it you're part-time well so at VCU at least I can't speak to all adjuncts across the board, but generally adjuncting means part-time. Since when the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare that we're also thankful for passed, if you work 30 hours or more a week, your employer has to give you health insurance and benefits, right? And so an adjunct uh, then limits you to, you can only teach this amount of credits because this amount of credits equal 29 hours and we don't want to give you health insurance. Right. Bastards. And so, like, when I feel like all adjuncts know this, like, you may only be, like, assigned to teach or to spend 29 hours a week working, but everybody knows that... You're working 40 hours a week. Yeah. Like... Yeah. All at, like, everyone that teaches is going to be in that classroom more than the the time of the classroom and then prepping grading mm-hmm. mentoring students like it's it's more than than contracts will say yeah how long have you been here like how long have you been doing this this is my fifth year here what year number five yeah of adjuncting mm-hmm. but how do you make a living it's so this year and last year yeah i am like over i'm making a living wage like I can, I'm like elementary school teacher salary. What is that like? Twenty five, thirty thousand a, a year? Yeah, a little bit more than that. So okay. Yeah, I'm I'm doing. I'm and living. I'm, I feel like the cost of living. I'm staying with Adrian Dalton. Thanks, mm. girl. The interim editor oh, of Metalsmith Magazine. She uh she's been supporting my students, getting some tiny shiny brooches Aww, and wearing them. She has a good she's style. Good. Yeah. Um, but. 
her apartment's stunning. She's like, it's a thousand dollars a month, and I like gasped. Oh. I was like, okay, so Richmond's yeah. affordable to live in. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot more expensive than when I was here before. But everywhere but, is. Yeah, it's the world. But compared to like Philly, especially compared to DC or New York, it is cheap. So you can make right? that happen. Mm-hmm. You sh- you have an off-campus studio that you pay for. So I do. You can afford that. Mm-hmm. Do you have a yeah. roommate that you live with? Or? I do. I just have my dog. Oh, so you can yeah. afford to live alone. I found an ama- so I found an amazing place that is huge and that I can live alone mm-hmm. and still have money to buy groceries. So. Someone was like, well, like, what are you striving for? Like, what's your um, definition of success? And I was like, when I can afford to live by myself. No offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't like living with people. No. I hate it. I do not want to share a bathroom anymore. Like, I'm just over it yeah i have a roommate no yeah no offense to her but yeah. i'd be happier if she didn't exist yeah yeah like i don't want to have to look at somebody else's dishes that's like, not even a thing we're both mm, like clean freaks yeah i just don't want anybody around me mm, i totally get that I'm too. A, i probably people don't understand that but i think that's what goes for a lot of people i'm are you a cancer yes yeah it's a cancer thing and I'm insanely introverted. Like, when yeah. I'm at home, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to see anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I am totally fine if I was to, like, just be locked in my apartment and not talk to anyone. I could I could go for months. My idea of, like, the perfect weekend is mm-hmm. never leaving my apartment. Yes. I don't even want to have to, like communicate to the guy delivering my pizza and i know there's all these things where like people are like no that's you're in your 30s so that's what happens i'm like no i was like that in my 20s i was like that when i was like 18 yeah like yeah you want me to go out what no yeah i mean i'm super social but then i just don't want anybody around me at all exactly yeah like i would i'd rather be at home with my plants and my dog Oh, my God, I like, love you. <laughs> that's so good. That's healthy, right? Like, that's not bad. Yeah. So you're doing all these things, but then you took on another position, which is why I'm talking to you. Yeah. So what are you? So I am the co-director of Radical Jewelry Makeover. Because Christine stepped down. Yeah, Christina stepped down and. I want to say 2013 or 14. I'm sure Susie okay. talked about this. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Um, um, and that she the like, dates. carried the torch by herself for a few years, yeah, which yeah, sounds yeah. insane. And so I watched Susie do that, right? Oh, yeah. My first, cu- well, she was doing that before I got here. And then my first couple of years here. And I had been a part of the first project. I had been invited to be a part of the artist project which i think we'll talk about in just a second um and so i was involved in this in in rjm and it was really important to me and so there was a point uh, a couple years into teaching here at uh vcu that i just looked at Susie and i was like i i'd really like to help you with rjm like i i want to be a part of it and i also want to be able to help you oh so you approached her yeah well i just told her like (laughs) yes like i love when like you (laughs) the dynamic of somebody that you've like mentor to mentee and whatever and then at some point you kind of grow up and then you're like oh no now i'm going to help you i don't think that i was necessarily like as direct as this like it probably came up in a conversation oh yeah um because i think we might have been talking about em students and um potentially being involved in that and I think I was like I'd really rather help you like EM students is great and I love that and I want to to help mentor that 
But what really has my heart is RJM. It's this super, it was a transformative experience for me, right? And And um, so special that you got to be a part of that first one. Yes. Yeah. And the first one had such an effect on my practice and even like from how I handle material, like how I work in my studio to be conscious of the materials that I'm using, but also how I think about materials and their history, the history of the object, what it might mean to someone else um, conceptually, which we haven't even talked about that yet. But <laughs> <laughs> too many things. Too many um, things. But the impact that that had on me at such a young age and then yeah. – um, you know, outside of that, I had been um, asked to join the Artist Project in 2014, which... So we, what is the Artist Project? So the Artist Project... Because Susie said you were going to tell me about it. Oh, well, then let me tell you about <laughs> She's like, it. I'll leave that to Kathleen. <laughs> so the Artist Project uh, is a group of uh, alumni of RJM installment. So artists that have gone through a full project. So not just a workshop, but have actually been there for been, the whole thing. Yes, yeah, start to finish. They might have done it as a student and are now a professional now, or maybe they're professional that it had an impact on their work. Oh, yeah. okay. I saw this on the website, yeah. and I saw a picture of Adam Whitney. Yes. And he looks so goofy in the picture yes. that I texted him a <laughs> screenshot of it, and he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, researching my next interview. <laughs> I was like, I just want you to know you look real funny in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So, and Adam was a student in the first one, too. Oh, he was? Yeah, again. Tons of people, yeah, amazing people. Lots of rock stars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, in 2014, Susie had this massive uh, RJM plan to be uh, in, to be exhibited with her solo show at the Visual Arts Center of Richmond. Okay. And um, she was expanding that with the artist project. So she sent out these invitations to maybe like, 20 different alumni and asked us to to dive deeper if you will into like the the thoughts behind like really the questions that rjm poses like mm -hmm. so like what how do you think about working ethically in your practice you know how um how are you handling these materials how has this project kind of changed your perspective um on the work that you make and then what work will you make with these materials you know like yeah um i think it's also kind of a great experiment to see if radical jewelry makeover work can stand up next to contemporary jewelry mm-hmm. right is this all like student cold connected kind of beginner level work or does it actually like dive in and it is visually and thoughtfully as thoughtfully made as as contemporary work which yeah looking at the work in the artist project I would say yes it is like it's really kind of another way to examine the projects I actually want to bring up because we have a list of questions yeah that we actually give the artists Oh, for um, the artist project? Yeah. So it's still going. It wasn't yeah. like this one-time thing no, happened. No, yeah. So does it happen every year that you invite artists back to do it? So it we 
We hadn't. We haven't invited artists in since that initial invitation went out. Yeah. But just it's the same artists that get to do it again and again. Yeah. So okay. just recently, we actually expanded the artist project to include alumni from Baltimore and Wisconsin. Okay, so, so as you come on to Art Jewelry Forum, because you say Susie... Radical Jewelry Makeover. Oh, my God. That is so funny. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey-o. Hey, shout out a- to AJF anyways. Hey. Whatever. Hey, um, Yvonne. So, RJM, AJF. That's why I was like Same in my mind. Thing, totally. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. Um, so, as you, you ask Susie, hey, I want to be your co-pilot. Yes. And then she's like... This so, aspect I want you to kind of take the lead on? So it wasn't, like, I I didn't necessarily come on directly as co-pilot. Oh, okay. Like, it was really just, like, I see you carrying this project on your own. I want to help you. Okay. And so I started out with really trying to help facilitate the artist project. I was an artist project member. Yeah. I wanted that, like... I was invested in that. I'm like, no, this is important. I want it to keep going. I think yeah. it's asking really good questions. And so I was kind of helping um, facilitate like artists that we had sold a lot of their work and we might need to um, get them to make new work for. So I guess to back up a little bit more yeah. um, with the artist project, we invited them. We invited these 20 or so artists. Yeah. Pack them goodies, pack them a little RJM goodie bag. Yeah. And then they had a really extended, so if if a regular RJM project is anywhere from like a week to maybe a month of a making period, yeah. the artists actually get like maybe six months. Which know? is important when you're looking for that kind of caliber Exactly. Work. So you can yeah. really dive into it. And then we ask them to make a series of three to five pieces. So almost like this little production line, if you will. Mm. I think Susie's initial thought, and we're still kind of thinking about that, this is like, can could this be looked at as a viable production line, as a viable way of like making money off of this? Oh, so yeah. also to discuss the value. Like, well, yeah, that's the thing I was just mm-hmm. going to ask because I know part of RJM is that um, the artists are not paid. Right, volunteer. Yeah, so is mm-hmm. this all volunteer too? Because you're asking for a substantial no, amount of work. We actually look at this. There's a three-way split between RJM, the artists, and the gallery that's exhibiting it. Okay. So the artists are actually getting paid and making money um, through yeah. these sales, right? So yeah. another way of looking at how RJM could be a viable, like, So is this, this of, sounds like kind of like a little experiment on the side to see, like, yeah. to figure out how to generate income and make it. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, actually have, I think, more people, like, have RJM be more than... Uh, one, one kind of uh, like how does it grow? Word? How does it yes, evolve? Exactly. Which is in part. God, Susie's smart. God, how is she always thinking ahead so much? She's brilliant. Like, <laughs> I just yeah, yeah, she's a genius. Yeah, that's really yeah. wise to think of it. Yeah. So now, what is your job? Are you the person that? facilitates this experience for those artists now? So I've been trying, I mean, Susie and I both do this, but um, I've been trying to reach out and kind of monitor the the inventory that we have so we hold on to the oh, okay, to the artist's yeah. work um, and then send it out to the next exhibitions if we've sold, like, if we sell all of Katie Seller's work and we need her to make some more work 
I'll try reach out and see a if she's interested yeah she has time send her a bag and um you know she can have she can send it either back to us or to the next exhibition um and also to reach out so I'm also reaching out to galleries to see who wants to host an exhibition exactly like I'd love I'd love to take it to like an adorned spaces or have it exhibited snag like yeah I feel like the artist project would be great I, I have my my brain kind of on that 50 yeah. that Philadelphia show um but we we have an exhibition coming up in the um December of this year at oh. Quirk so oh, exciting yeah so Quirk Gallery in Richmond also Virginia. shout out to Quirk Guys. it is pretty and they are amazing people yeah like they are just so in terms of like supporting my students supporting our jam just supporting I feel like they are just so supportive of all the local not just local but of artists that work with them mm-hmm. and what they can do for for people yeah like, using yeah I love them. But they have an annual jewelry exhibition, Sparkle Plenty. Yes, I've, of course I've heard about right? that. Right? Yeah. And so this year it's going to be, it's going to feature the RJM Artist Project. Oh, good Lord. That's yeah. cool. So that's kind of our next. Um, Your next thing gung-ho. that you're working on. Exactly. So we're working with them and figuring out the curatorial aspects of the work yeah. for that. Yeah. And then I think also Susie has some so the artist project work is really diverse as well like there's some uh like heavy hitter one-of-a-kind pieces and some great production work like it's kind of all over Mm -hmm. the field some of the more gold-based work I think Susie is that's headed to the Fuller uh, Craft Museum oh wow in the fall for um the an exhibition that Susie's involved in um so it's kind of like Spreading all out, the place. yeah, heading out all over the place. Well, what if someone has participated and they're listening and they want to be a part of that? Like, how do you yeah. decide who gets to do it? So we kind of look at um, the work that w- was created, like in past installments, and mm. we see like who really like gave it their all. Yeah, well, not just gave it their all, but like actually took the the key aspects of like what RJM stands for and really implemented that into their work Mm. you know and um took this and ran with it and so um those are the people that we invite and reach out to right Mm -hmm. um yeah that makes sense yeah you're not going off a base of like whether they have notoriety within the field it's more like how they took this yeah. experience and like yeah. we just invited some recent undergraduate grad or recent undergraduate graduates of Wisconsin into mm-hmm. the project I mean we also have invited people that have a lot of notoriety as well yeah. like it's always interesting you gotta bring that in but I think it's also interesting too to see how that um, affects their practice yeah. um, Curtis Arima out in San Francisco has had some amazing things to say about how much RJM has affected his practice and how much he thinks like has changed his thinking about the way he makes work. Yeah. And just to hear like he's an established artist that makes this amazing work and then to hear how this project when it came out to CCA um back in 2010 I think. Yeah. Um how it transformed kind of the way he looked at the work with that. Like he is an ideal person to have in the artist project. Yeah. Yeah. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah. it does. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I think a, pe- a lot of people are like, wait, I want to be a part of it. I did this. Yeah. But you're looking at a lot of things about it. It's yeah, very yeah, yeah. thoughtful. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's really a curated group, mm-hmm. right? It's not just, oh, these three people have also done it. It's, yeah. what was the impact of the project on them? Well, it's also good yeah. to know that um, maybe those listening who are going to be a part of RJM, yeah. if they're interested to understand like what you're looking for yeah, and to really invest in it. Yeah. Um, and I think too, though, like uh, it's important when you're doing an RJM not to lose your voice and mm-hmm. your sense of design and like what makes your work your work when you're creating. I could see that being hard. Right. Like it's one thing when you have this massive pile of jewelry to choose from that you're going to take and make into something like how do you keep that um the work that you're creating still very much sarah rachel brown or kathleen kennedy like mallory weston did it well yes i wanted those earrings did those sell no we still have them (gasps) we still have them i never used my donor coupon They've got your name on them. <laughs> really want those yeah. things. We, I actually have uh, some plans for Mallory's. So also to talk about yeah, our next moves. Ooh. So we're in the middle of planning um, the our next RJM installment, which will be in South Florida at the Lighthouse Art Center. That sounds fun. Right? And that's so the donation drive should kick off in the fall. So keep your eyes out for that. We should have yeah. information on the website. We'll definitely have a lot of information on the yeah. podcast description website. We totally just because you're not in South Florida doesn't mean you can't send us your donations. Oh good to we know. We take anybody's donations. I dropped off a carload to yes, yesterday. You did. It was amazing. From Barry O'Neill. Yes. Shout out to Barry O'Neill. That was an amazing donation. I can't <laughs> yeah, wait for heavy. that coupon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah, so there should be a donation drive open this fall and then the um the kickoff and the making period of the project will happen in the very beginning of 2020 with mm-hmm. an exhibition um, at so Lighthouse Art Center is a um, co- community workshop center with different like it's not just metals and jewelry but they have oh, a metals cool. metals and jewelry classes um, and a gallery and so the exhibition will happen at the gallery there. Oh, nice. But Anyways, back to Mallory Weston's amazing earrings <laughs> to um, kick off their donation drive and get get the people of South Florida, you know, revved up and ready for RJM. Yeah. We're sending um, we're sending some RJM pieces that have already been made down to be exhibited in a little pop up. And oh. Mallory's earrings are a great example of that. If yeah. you guys that are listening are like, what earrings are you talking about? Yeah. Do you have an online archive to look at yeah. pieces? That are, do you have an online shop where you can like buy things? We, so that's a dream. Oh, that's, that's a dream. That's on we, the to-do list. That is on our to-do list. Um, hopefully that hopefully that happens yeah. in the near future. Um, but we do have an online archive, our website that we've just spent this past year getting up and running, um, has all of the installments, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, hopefully by the time this airs, I will have the Wisconsin installment up and you can see it. But, mm-hmm. um, the, all of the installment pages have a little like write up of the project and like what happened and what was special about that project because each installment is really unique and a little different like no two RJMs are alike 
That's cool. They're just keeps it fresh. Sm- exactly. Because and really it's a collaboration between Radical Jewelry Makeover and the institutions that invite yeah. us to to come and collaborate with them. So what is important to that institution? Why like why did you want to reach out and have this? Like is it is it that you want to to bring more awareness to environmental issues? Are you more interested in the narrative stories behind the donation? Is it a combination of both? We're always going to talk about both. Yeah. But like it's it's good to know you know what is driving the impetus for why people want to have this. So each RJM is unique. Where was I going with this story? Well, I was talking about well, well, what was next? Florida. Yeah, Florida. And how that's going to be different. Yeah. Mallory's earrings oh. that are still for sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but the website. So and the website. Yeah. So online shop. Each, um, we have a little installment page for, or each a page one. for each installment that talks about the differences and or what makes the project the project. And then we have images of. You do. So yeah. what if you could just like put the price and like click on each image or yeah. like put the price and say contact for details yes. even if you can't set up the online commerce yes so ideally like something like that is what we want to do yeah. or even if it's just like an instagram so also instagram at radical jewelry makeover yeah um I'm woman after my own heart plug <laughs> away girl plug. um it's side story that's actually we just figured out that was set up five years ago and we lost the password for it <laughs> and we just, just got found back it yeah like a year ago so it's pretty fresh <laughs> now you're back <laughs> we're back follow us um but if it could even be like an instagram post like hey these mallory weston earrings are available Cont- yeah. like email us or we need DM to stop us. plugging those earrings let's talk about okay. something else because yeah, they're not available they aren't no they're gone (laughs) sorry (laughs) but or any like we have amazing Mm -hmm. i think we've got this amazing eric versario piece like Mm -hmm. people make amazing work for rjm stunning and we had like we've just made this website and it's beautiful and people can go and like you can click on each different installment and see the work that was made Mm -hmm. in each project and i think too the themes that are popping up like like maybe there's more of this kind of work in Baltimore versus there was more of this kind of work at UMass Dartmouth or yeah. like how also how the projects evolved. Like it was started in 2007. And so how have the designs and like You've gotten the thoughts, smarter. And, right. Yeah. Or how have the thoughts of the makers themselves or the students changed from 2007 to 2019? Um, That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. the website's really exciting. Please check that out. Oh, you can congratulations see so to much you work. On that. Um, really, Susie and our uh, we've hired a, a website designer that's nice. really the savior of us. Like, thank you so much. Um, can I throw an idea out for I please. forget? You know how Snag Society, North American Goldsmiths guys, yeah. as a yearly conference, they have yeah. the trunk show. Yes. <gasps> what if we did a trunk show? Why didn't why what if you did the snag trunk show next year? Because it's super cheap. I think it's like fifth uh, you pay a hundred bucks up front to reserve your spot, but then you get sixty bucks back. Yeah. So really it's only forty dollars and you bring the radical jewelry makeover pieces. Yeah, because my other thought, like I know with adorned spaces, like that's sellable too. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I but think, you could just like pile it on. Yeah, like we could have oh my god, we could have an Adorn spaces for the artist project, and then we could have a trunk show for 
and, and they do all the promotion work. people come there wanting to buy work you're brilliant <laughs> i just always am like i'm money hungry girl oh my gosh that's so no that's so smart because we also have like we have these pieces because not every, not everything is going to sell at, at well at least i don't think we've had an installment where every single piece has sold well that's hard right yeah yeah it's as long as we have the goal that we have to have in an installment is that the number of coupons that we have yeah. that we issue we have to at least have that many pieces available in in the exhibition oh that's so interesting. That yeah theoretically if everybody that donated something they could all buy something exactly oh i never even thought about exactly that. so that's that's like baseline minimal Mm -hmm. minimum of the pieces we need but what doesn't sell comes back to our jm and is in our storeroom and a lot of like we want to be able to sell it right we want to yeah. be able because the it, it doesn't do us any good to have it sit in boxes it, it's doing exactly what it was doing when it was when the original materials were donated right yeah the point of an rjm piece of jewelry is to go back out in the world and be a conversation starter yeah. Right. To tell the story of RJM and be another impetus, another way of discussing like issues in the field and why this is important. Yeah. It's, it's a nice, it's a nice little circle. Right. You got going there. Yeah. So we really like, that's kind of another like hot topic goal of how do we get this stuff moving? And people yeah. talking about it. Exactly. I mean, what is it if people aren't talking about it? If, if it's not on social media, does it exist? Does Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I love that you're involved with it. And it seems like you and Susie are a great team. You guys both have such great energy. Oh, my God. Well, I learned from her. So oh, yeah. I feel like I owe so much to her, and I'm just so happy that I can be part of her. I can be her teammate in yeah. this. Like come full circle for you yeah. to be back here and working on it yeah i'm sure you could have never anticipated this no yeah oh my god it's wild right well like, i never anticipated me a podcaster girl so i get you i couldn't even i mean i i can i, I couldn't have even imagined like teaching yeah and let alone then uh coming in and doing rjm and being a part of that making sure that it is still continuing to go like i'm sure yeah. if i wasn't a part of it like of course susie would have it keep going but just that i'm able to lend a hand and to be to be part of what helps keep it keep it going yeah yeah it's it's really special to me yeah well thank you so much oh my gosh thank you for giving me all this insight I hope I didn't blabber and stumble too Not much. Not at all. And it's kind of wild how parallel our, our lives have been. I love it. It's really bizarre. Happy early birthday. Oh, thank you. Happy early birthday to Are you. Are you a cancer? I am a cancer. Okay. Sorry, yeah. I don't know why I just whispered. I got. I just got no, weird it's right the, there. It's dramatic. It's yeah. nice. Broadway babies. I get yeah. it. It's like you love the drama. Movies. This is the movie voice. Sorry. Well, you know, I'm going to be plugging in a lot of information on that website. You guys have a brand new website. Yes, we do. Um, there are so many ways that people can get involved with this incredible project. Yes. Sounds like you guys make it pretty easy if you're interested. Yeah, just send us an email. So on the website, again, there's a participate page. And yeah. it, if you're interested in participating by sending us donations, you can find out how to do that there. Super simple. Always accepting donations. If you're interested in participating by um, wanting to 
to host an RJM. Got that toolkit yeah, Susie and I talked about. Get that toolkit. Just send us an email. We'll get started talking of how to make that happen. If you're interested, like we've started to do some smaller workshops and like get in get in the road that way like keep an eye on the website and the instagram to see when those things are are happening Happen. and it's international so yes. i have a lot of international listeners and this yes. doesn't have to be based in the united states yeah. and i think this would be incredible to have more of an international presence yep you guys have done it before exactly because it it's not just an american issue it's a global issue it's a global issue yeah. it's a bigger issue yeah um but yeah yeah. And, you know, it takes a while to get things going. So even if maybe you're not ready to do it right now, just reach out and get the conversation started. Exactly. You probably have over a year until it's actually going to happen anyways. And even if you can't, like, even if you can't fathom of how to do it, you know, Susie and I can brainstorm and, and make, help make it possible. Yeah. And maybe it's not going to happen next month. It's not going to happen next month. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to start the conversation is really how we can start figuring out how to make that possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kathleen, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And um, I can't wait to share this interview with everyone because RJM is so cool. I'm so glad I was able to do this. Yeah, I'm going to see. Well, you guys, it's May right now. This probably won't come out until June or July. Am I going to see you next yeah. month or you're in gonna a few s- weeks? You're going to see me at Snag. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is. You will. Okay, cool. Now we get to hang out and know yeah. each other. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, this has been another episode of Perceived Value, the podcast broaching the subject of value with artists. As always, thank you for listening. Perceived Value is recorded and produced by me, Sarah Rachel Brown. If you love the podcast and you want to show your support, become our patron. Visit patreon.com slash perceived value to learn more. Or check out our website at perceivedvaluepodcast.com and click on the support page. As always, thank you for listening.